Travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to Talk Travel Asia, Episode 74, Three Nights in Luang Prabang. Laos is one of Southeast Asia's sleepiest countries, home to 6.5 million people and landlocked. It's a place of mystery for many travelers and unknown to much of the world. Once a French colony, also ruled by a royal family, then taken over by communist forces in 1975, it's one of the region's most friendly and unique destinations. Its number one tourist destination by far is Luang Prabang, a charming town of about 56,000, situated on the banks of the Nam Khan and Mekong rivers. A former royal capital, it's been a UNESCO World Heritage Site since 1995 and exudes laid-back cool. Today we'll share our impressions and favorite things to do over a three-night visit. So, from Bangkok, this is Scott Coates and... From Bangkok, Trevor Ranges. Yeah, one of the rare ones. We've probably only done like 40% of these or less in person together, right? Yeah, well, we're both living back here in Bangkok again, it seems. And Mm -hmm. uh, you just got back from Luang Prabang and I just got back from Hawaii. So, uh, And I think it's a great topic because I love Luang Prabang. I used to spend a lot of time there. Um, I haven't been in about eight years, so I'm really curious to hear uh, your impressions from it now. Um, I I used to go for about a month a year. Yeah, I Um, can't believe it's eight years ago because I feel like it was like four years ago you were there and telling me about it. uh, Yeah, no, it was in the the earlier days of like, you know, I moved here to Thailand in 2001. Right. And I probably started going up there in 2002 or three. And I spent like, you know, two to four weeks uh, continuously every year there, usually just to write, you know, if I had to catch up on some writing projects right. or like after I finished a big project and I needed some time to unwind because it's really like one of the most relaxing places in the world. Yeah. What were you doing there at the time? I forget. Um, again, like usually like finishing up some writing projects, like I'd, I'd oh, done right. all my research and I needed to write or like I just found it so meditative. You know, hmm. like just spending time in Long Prabang, especially then before there was like regular Bangkok Airways service. Sure, like it sure. was it was much more difficult to get to Long Prabang. It was really sleepy. Um, the people are so charming. And, and it just felt like after two or three weeks in Long Prabang, hmm. like I don't know, it was just so refreshing. Like you felt like so renewed again when you came back to, to Bangkok. So when was your first time there? Eight years ago or before? No, that? it was like 2002. So 2002, like, right? Like 16 years ago. And then lots of visits around eight years ago? No, no, then. eight years ago was my last time I went. Wow, so sorry, like 16 years ago, I started <laughs> yeah. going and then I would go for like a month a year. Right. And then uh, and then I almost moved up there because a I friend of mine uh, was trying to entice me to go into business with him. He had an adventure tour company and, yeah, and he, yeah. he started a bar there and and I was I was really going to do it. And then and then he turned to me and said, are you ready to marry a Lao woman? Yeah. And at the time I wasn't. And and Lao people are wonderful. Their women are beautiful. But uh, realistically, like to to go into business and and live in Laos, uh, it it was much more practical to be married to a local woman. Yeah. Business is one thing. Marriage is another. Okay. Well, my first time there is almost 18 years ago. It was probably like maybe around May of 
2000 and I'd been living in Asia for only about eight months. And two friends of mine from Canada came and we took the slow boat from mm. uh, Chiang, Kong. Chiang Kong in Chiang Rai province, Thailand. And over two days, you kind of take this slow boat down. You stop overnight in a place called Pak Bang and mm. get a guest house. And you're just sitting on a, on a board on a boat. And it was super interesting because it kind of... It was like the bus between villages, and you'll pick up villagers who'll get on with their dogs, who I don't think were pets. I didn't get that feeling. They're tied to the roof. <laughs> then they get off in another one. And uh, yeah, and then I also went about seven, eight years ago to update a guide map at the time. Yeah. And so it's been a gap of about seven years since my last visit. Yeah. See, so I'm really curious because, again, even like eight years ago when I was last there, I, I was worried. And, and when I was going to move there, one of the things I was worried about is the town itself is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Right, and, right. Like, for those of you listening who have ever been to like Siem Reap in Cambodia, mm. like Siem Reap 18 years ago was pretty quiet too. Right? Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, but, and, and now Siem Reap is like a, a Disney Mardi Gras, like, mm. you know, it's, it's a party. It's like, like a big bustling city, but that's okay because the UNESCO attraction in Cambodia is the temples. Right. right. But in Luang Prabang itself, the town is the UNESCO site. And right. I, I was afraid that like growth and tourism and growth and development would, would ruin the town. And, and I was worried about, hmm. uh, you know, and, and I already saw that happening, you know, in, in eight years ago. Yeah. Um, I mean, just before we get to kind of my impressions of it, for those of you um, that haven't been, you know, it's worth opening a, a map and having a look. But the, the main old buildings and old sites are on a little peninsula. The, the peninsula is maybe like... I don't know, 500 meters wide at the most, maybe 400 yeah. or three. And lengthwise, it's maybe like a kilometer, something yeah. like that, right? It's longer on one side than the other because yeah. the, the west side, I guess, is along the Mekong. That's right. And the east side is on the Namkhan Yeah, and that's like a little bend. Yeah. Um, so you basically those two rivers meet it on the north side. We'll have side a map on the show notes. Yeah. So go to the website, uh, talktravelasia.com. Yeah. So it was a royal capital, apparently, until the revolution in 1975. Yeah. And um, you know how it's changed? Well, I mean, this seven-year gap for me, um, it got cold for half of our stay. We were there for five nights, and the first three days were kind of like 31 degrees. It's cold in the winter. It got down to it's up 11. In the mountains and it's quite far north. Yeah. So if you go in what's popular season for Western visitors, kind of December, January, February, check the weather before you go because it can get cold. Yeah. And unless you're staying in a fancy guest house, they don't necessarily have uh, heat or hot water. Um, I usually like staying in a really local place that has yeah. like a, a mandy. You know, it's like a big right. bucket of water and you use that to, to yeah. wash yourself. And uh, My guest house, it was a nicer guest house, had hot water. My parents stayed in a nice hotel which had hot water, yeah. but no heating either. So no. again, it's only cold a short time of the year. But they make some really beautiful quilts too. Like the, the Laotians are famous for their textiles. Weaving, yeah. And, and we'll get uh, to that so too. Some of, some of their, their quilts are beautiful. And I, I own one actually mm. from way back so how it's changed you know i gotta say trevor it seemed kind of quiet apparently um so this is january 2018 uh visitor numbers have dropped by about 20 percent in mm. Laos in the last year uh for various reasons that we won't get into here but the number of chinese and korean tourists has gone way up mm. but overall numbers are down 20 percent from 2016 um, so you definitely noticed a lot more asian travelers than when i was there last time mm. i felt like it wasn't super busy really like when i was going around the peninsula some of you know um what pussy is it uh mm. the, the yeah. hill there was tons of people around that and a couple sure. other sites but it was kind of 
still quietish walking out at the end of the peninsula. I didn't feel like it was overrun. There are lots of hotels being built. I got the feeling that maybe older guest houses are being upgraded to newer ones. Mm. You could hear saws and construction going on. Um, But uh, I didn't feel like it was a lot different than when I was there seven years ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, back 18 years ago, 20 years ago, when we first went, the night market was just very rudimentary it's they, long now yeah but they they had like extension cords with like little light bulbs in front of everybody's little yeah nobody had like stalls or anything it was just like mats on the ground and and whatnot and i know by eight years ago they had already installed street lights and uh yeah. i mean they paved all the roads even if you go back 20 years ago there was most of the when i went there dirt. 18 years ago yeah. it was dirt roads yeah. um but, but even eight years ago, like the morning alms with the monks mm. had already become a bit of a of a zoo Thing, with, yeah. uh, you know, just like dozens of people with their cameras, like like paparazzi, like for, yeah. for monks, which was kind of creepy, you know. So I imagine that's probably still. I haven't seen that. So one of the really famous attractions there is to be on the peninsula near uh, one of the famous temples and you give an offering, a food offering alms to monks and pretty much all travelers, except I've actually never done it. Mm. And I. This is going to sound racist, but it isn't. Is that I think Asian travelers, like especially Chinese and Koreans, mm. really go for those highlights. So I did yeah. hear from somebody now that it is a bit of a photo circus, the alms in the morning. Yeah, it seems like that's almost the, the most tour bus attraction mm. attraction that I can. Because where would all the, the package tour visitors go? I don't know. Like, because Luang Prabang is such a, you know, having been a French colony. Uh, yeah. Laos and having a lot of French tourists. Um, the French are more of the kind of people just to rent some bicycle and cruise on the, around the streets and yeah. find a little cafe. And, yeah. and that's kind of what I enjoyed about doing in Long Prabang, you know, just, yeah. just enjoying the, the back streets and finding a little cafe. And, and so I guess you wouldn't see too many of like the package tourists doing that kind of no, thing. No, I don't think so. I think there's enough attractions around town that they probably do. But, but, but the morning uh, alms and the sunset on the hill. That's a big For one. sure. So I guess. Uh, yeah. And, and with maybe with more tourists going to Vietnam nowadays, Laos is getting a little more forgotten and maybe it's getting quiet again. Yeah, a friend of mine that owns a business there said that he thinks it's just getting overpriced, like the cost of hotels, the cost of food. It is a landlocked country, so they're importing pretty much everything, right? Yeah. And he feels that compared to Vietnam and maybe mm-hmm. even Thailand and Cambodia that it's just a bit more for a hotel. It's more to fly there. It's more for yeah. a meal. So he kind of thinks they're pricing themselves out. But, you know, I was just there with my parents. So they're 74. It was a bit of a different kind of trip. It wasn't an active trip. And it's kind of a place where there's probably lots to do if you want to be active and get out and hike yeah. and go to waterfalls. Absolutely. If you're not into active stuff, then you got to really low-key, slow, croissant, but, but again, I coffee. I think that's fine because that's what it I loved fine. about it. I, I could spend days on end just cruising around on a crappy little Chinese bicycle and sitting by the river and waiting yeah. until some local person comes up and they invariably want to try out their English with you. Sure, sure. Um, aside from just the charm of the town itself, I mean, these mm. beautiful old buildings, even though it's developing, people should know that as a UNESCO site, they can't just renovate these guest houses or these old no. buildings without permission from UNESCO. And, and they've got to be done the original yeah, kind of style. And there's still lots of old houses in these back alleys where yeah. people are living. They haven't sold out all no. completely, I don't think. But And the people are the friendliest people. They're like some of the friendliest people in the they world, without a friendly. doubt. Yeah, very, so, very. so just taking it slow and cruising by the river, hanging out in town is, is a great way to spend time. On the design note, something I thought was quite interesting is that it seems you can't have a colorful flashy sign on any business Mm. so every business in fact just has like a wooden sign that's lacquered yeah with just the the name of the business carved out and that's it because they don't want 
colorful, noisy neon sign. Yeah. So you'll actually be looking for a business and you'll notice, oh, they're just a simple wooden sign, which yeah. is kind of neat to yeah, preserve. Vermont was like that. They, for, even yeah. the McDonald's was not allowed to have a golden arches in my town. It hmm. had to have a little sign. So I definitely appreciate that. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk through sort of some of our favorite places, notable places to eat and drink, some of the attractions, and then we'll wind up by each of us sharing kind of what would we do with three nights there. We're a little reluctant to talk too much on restaurants because I mean a lot of places that are hot one year are gone the next yeah but just from being there um, we're going to name a few safe places I think I don't know the name of any place it's probably still in operation but they have like like Laotian food is very similar to Thai food yeah Um, it's just not necessarily as spicy but they do some great like uh, hot pot you know, yeah, like, yeah, a, yeah. like a kind of sukiyaki or, right. I don't know, like... Yeah, you got a pot of broth with yeah. coals in the middle. it's kind of like a volcano kind of shape. Yeah. And, and you grill the food and you eat the soup and... That's a good one. Yeah, I don't know the name of any place, but... Uh, if you You'll see work. it everywhere. As yeah. you're going down streets, you see a little local restaurant with like a hot pot. That's definitely worth doing it. Yeah. I had a really nice place called Buong, which is... You know, it's kind of a trendy looking shop house. It's some foreigners running it, but it's kind of, mm. you know, I'm not usually a fusion food guy, but it was sort of Laotian fusion food. I had uh, okay. big green peppers stuffed with uh, uh, minced pork and lemongrass, which was really neat. Mm. And then they actually had a gnocchi with green curry, which was also mm. like kind of a neat fusion. And the food was good. And everyone said, oh, make sure you eat there. It was a tasty That's spot. It's interesting how it fusion, because when we were down in Champasek, uh, mm-hmm. I had uh, sticky rice risotto. Okay. That was awesome. Cool. And then uh, another good place, like it sounds weird to go to Laos for bakery, but you know, one of the things about places like Cambodia, Laos, mm. and Vietnam that were once colonized by the French is they left a history of bread and pastries, right? Yeah. So we ended up at Zurich Bakery quite a few times. It's out on the peninsula. Yeah. Um, but there's another place, La Benetton, which is famous. But, but Zurich. It's been there for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And it was good, yeah. man. Like whether you want pastries, my mom went nuts for it's the good pastries. Place for coffee, too. Very good coffee. And I had the Cuban sandwich twice, which was like really nice. Laos grows some good coffee. Yeah. They, yeah. It was good coffee. Yeah. So that was pretty good. But, um, you know, another good place for sundown, our first night, we were just looking for somewhere for sundown. And my friend uh, recommend a place called Belle Rive or mm. Rive, no R, Belle like Rive. river without an R. Yeah. And it's just a little hotel and they have a, a balcony that gets busy just at sundown. But sure. the food was really good. And it was more Thai food, yeah. but it was legitimately like, like really good. on the Mekong good. Riverside? On the Mekong Riverside yeah. towards the end of the peninsula, okay. like great yeah, for right. sundown. But yeah. the food was legitimately very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. And I believe you've been to what is, I guess, my favorite kind of bar, restaurant, all-around place in the city is Utopia. Have you been there? Yeah, sure. I went to Utopia before it was Utopia. Before uh, it was yeah. Utopia. We went down to the land uh, when before, like when, when it was still just a vision. Yeah. And uh, my friend was telling me that the volleyball court's going to be here and there's going to yeah. be a bar there. And, uh, and now, yeah, I've been there. Eight years ago, it, it was open. Okay. And, uh, and they had giant Jenga. Yeah, okay, I don't know if yeah. they still have that. I didn't see it this time, um, but they may well. Yeah, and they had a great uh, balcony overlooking the Nam Khan. Yeah. And uh, beautiful location, good place for drinks. I don't remember if I tried the food. I remember it's... they did a banana coffee shake. Do they still oh. make banana coffee shakes? Probably. Well, full disclosure here, I'm friends with the owner, a guy named Rob great from guy. Canada. Yeah. Great guy. And he leased it from the guy you know. Derek, yeah. About six years ago. And he's really put a lot of money into like building a proper kitchen, hmm. improving it. And now it's kind of like anyone that goes to Luang Prabang, 
um, that enjoys fun yeah. ends up there at least once. So they do yoga at like 7.30 in the morning. Apparently, it'll be full with like 20 people on a deck that overlooks the Namkhan River doing yoga. They do breakfast. And then it's a kind of they place. Still have the volleyball court? They do have the yeah. volleyball court. He's probably going to get rid of it and turn oh, it into yeah. a bit more of a usable space. Yeah, that was space. more for the local people, like his staff yeah. and stuff, because they like to play volleyball. Yeah. But it's great kind of like morning, afternoon, or night. And it turns into a bit of dancing at night, yeah. but like pretty good food, good cocktails, it's one of those unique places. Like, there's yeah. no other bar like yeah. it. Um, did you ever make it to Atsalin, a local little place? No, I don't. I don't believe so. It sounds okay. Not the thing in Luang Prabang is it's easy to do a lot of foreign food because there's it really caters to like kind of the well-heeled Western traveler. Mm. But Atsalin is like a longtime favorite for like Lao Thai kind of dishes. Really easy on the wallet, simple and tasty. It's a good one. Yeah. Um, another great coffee place, Saffron. It's been mm. around about ten years. It's on the peninsula on the Mekong side. They're making Laotian uh, coffees, but really, really good. And they also do tours of coffee plantation okay. outside of town and like school you on the history of it there and how they produce it. So, uh, oh, yeah, I remember it place that did a coffee kind of experience yeah it was it was good man i had yeah. breakfast there one morning and i met jim the manager yeah and it was legitimately good have you ever been for cocktails at the icon club no last time i was there there was no bars except for utopia okay the bowling alley obviously yeah and uh the like the beehive or something like that yeah it is no longer there okay. a neat thing to keep in mind about drinking is by eleven thirty, no more music or drinks in luang prabang yeah. and everyone's got to be out by eleven forty-five, except for What's the late night's bowling alley? The bowling yeah. alley, yeah. If you want well, to party, and in as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Icon Club is on the peninsula. It's a long-standing cocktail lounge. That's a good one. Um, just off the peninsula, it's a bit higher end cocktails and tapas called Five Two Five. I can't even imagine high end cocktails. Yeah, it sounds kind of weird, fancy. but but you know, there's an Amman Hotel in Luang Prabang. Yeah, no, we did a for two magazine. Uh, we did a robe report. Mm. Yeah. All right, I see in our notes you mentioned Ak Pop Talk as yeah. having food now. And and I was going to say, you know, that's the place where you go to learn about textiles. And uh, I didn't know that. Maybe they did have a cafe back then, but I don't believe so. I don't remember. I Like seven years ago when I updated that guide map, yeah. I went to their location south of the peninsula. Mm. And they had a shop in town. Now they have a shop in town on the peninsula. Yeah. Almost kitty corner to it, they have like a restaurant, garden cafe restaurant huh. with another shop. Yeah, no, I don't remember. And the that. main center that was south of the peninsula, now they've got a cafe, they've got a hotel, they've got a restaurant wow. with a great deck overlooking the Mekong. Yeah, for, like it's really grown. For people who haven't been to Long Prabang, Pop Talk is kind of a it's it's an organization that's into Lao textiles. Yeah. And, and like by into, I mean, I remember when I was there many, many years ago, um, they had they had this old textile that was like 50 years old or something like that. Okay? Uh -huh. And they wanted to go and find the woman who made that textile hmm. okay? because each village in Laos has its own kind of traditions. And yeah. so like the weave is passed down like generation through generation right and they they actually filmed the documentary i believe about it then they went and they actually found the woman who had made this this particular textile cool yeah it's neat i mean they've uh, it it's not an ngo but it's kind of like a social enterprise yeah. i know there was a foreign girl that helped get it going mm -hmm. and yeah they preserve traditional weaving methods and and you can go there and they do at the southern center south of peninsula they do like they'll do a little tour every 30 minutes but I put it down as eats, too, because, A, it's great to see their goods. They're yeah. fantastic quality. It's interesting. You can see people weaving. But for lunch, 
the deck on the Mekong. They yeah. had really good oh, really? food. It's on the river too. Yeah, right? like literally right on the river. So great place for lunch so it or sounds sundown. Like, like friends or something like that. Now. Yeah, yeah, a little yeah. bit. Not friends a TV show for no, those yeah. friends in Cambodia. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, legitimately great organization, great textiles. But they now serve food and have a hotel as well. Huh. And then uh, the next one I was going to mention was uh, like for vegetarians. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a I, there used to be a vegetarian buffet. Yeah. On the night market, on a little alleyway, about halfway down the night market. Right. Right. There was like a vegetarian buffet okay and it was like a dollar all you could eat or something like oh, that right. and i don't know if that was still there because it had always been there i don't know if the vegetarian one but there is food at night near the night market at the front so sort of the yeah. southern end there was still lots of food going on so if you want a little more adventurous food experience that's a great spot for some food all right so okay. and i bet again for vegetarian food it's all fresh produce. Again, like yeah. in Laos, there's no big C. Hypermarket. There's no Costco. No yeah. Like one of the beauties of Laos is just how undeveloped it is yeah. and, and how unspoiled their culture is by anything except Thai soap operas. Yeah. Um, and there's a million other great places to eat. These are just a couple from my most recent visit and your experience. Yeah, it's so all fresh food yeah. and, and the nicest people. And, yeah. Uh, you know. So some stuff to do. And, and um, there's, I mean, you can be as active or as, as low-key as you want. But one I haven't done, but I've heard of lots that's kind of neat is a bamboo experience. And they're just outside of town and you can do half or full day experiences where you go out to a, a farm and mm. they teach you about the role that bamboo has played traditionally in lives from making a house and a bed to then you can like learn how to make baskets. You can learn how to cook with bamboo. So it looked like a pretty neat half day or that you could do awesome. the full day programs. Yeah. yeah. So that was pretty neat. Another one, which is real local is you can go out and do rice farming and it depends on time of year where at what stage the crops that are, but you can go out and get your hands dirty and learn about rice farming. Sounds less awesome. Unless you can ride a water <laughs> buffalo. I've, yeah. I've ridden a water buffalo to sow rice, mm. and uh, and that's pretty fun. Mm. How about uh, waterfalls? You know about those, Yeah, right? again, uh, because there's these two main rivers that surround Luang Prabang, and right. uh, it's a very mountainous region, and uh, so there's lots of waterfalls in addition to like the rivers and the mountains, obviously. Yeah. Um, some of them are a little bit more touristy than others, but uh, I think you can't really go wrong. They're all beautiful. What I remember, I don't remember the names of any of them off the top of my head, so maybe you can fill that out. But I was going to say that I did some kayaking trips, mm-hmm. and uh, there should be a number of kayaking outfitters in town nowadays. So, like, when you kayak on the river, like, you get to see, like, these riverside communities and these riverside villages, like, people yeah. fishing, kids playing in the water, and you'll have access to, to some of the to the waterfalls that uh, are, are less on the beaten path, I guess. Um, what's your note here? It says, Tatsé uh, waterfalls are the secondary falls kind of on the east side of the city, okay. which are apparently nice. But the main ones are Kuangsi Falls. Yeah. Everyone goes to those kind of, you know, they cascade down and then there's a big there's pool a of water. Swing. Did you go there this time? There no, used to be I, a rope swing. It was cold, man. We didn't go oh, this really? time. But. There used to be a rope swing at the lower falls. Okay. And then the upper falls have like picnic tables and you can hike up the side. Mm. That's where they have like the sun bear... Yeah, um, there's a conservation bear, center. Yeah, exactly. And, and they sell beers and mm. it's it's a real like it's kind of a picnic destination for local people as well yeah. as for tourists. So it's a really good opportunity there, um, at Guangxi, I think, to, yeah. to mingle with local people. As well. Super beautiful, but apparently it gets very, very busy. Someone said yeah. try and go early morning. Or go late, late afternoon. Yeah. But it's a great place for a swim. And then uh, the other big, big site, Trevor, uh, what can you tell us about Pak'u Caves? Yeah, I don't know. How to, like, again, for me, it wasn't like a big, big site. Like, yeah, okay. I, I, 
just because no one went over there back in the day, I guess. So you can <laughs> you pay some guy with a boat to take you across the river and then they're like there's a trail that goes off to the right and you just follow that to the caves right and if you go to the left you can end up to there's a there's a village over there that you Uh can check out but i don't think in in all the times i did the paku caves that i ever saw any other people go over there it's become quite an attraction now they're about 20 uh kilometers north of luang prabang on the banks of the mekong river yeah so it's it's quite common to combine paku with say the waterfalls or, or a couple things but there's you know hundreds if not thousands of boot images that have been yeah. left inside yeah, these yeah. caves uh, we don't have time for the whole history but quite a kind of spiritual mystical place great opportunity to get your mekong boat ride in too but that's 20 kilometers 20 kilometers wow. north yeah it's a little ways and you know on that note a boat ride like while you're there you got to go on the mekong river and you can go um just to the little boat docks along the mekong river and rent a boat driver in a simple little boat for an hour or two, take your own beer, take some food with you. Or uh, one that I did was nice, a company called Mekong Kingdoms, and they have mm-hmm. a monsoon boat. And it was just a two-hour sundown ride with some hors d'oeuvres and beers. And yeah. yeah, it was nice. Yeah, like I said, with the kayaking or just like hiring some guy with a boat. Because when you're on the Mekong side of the river, there's like all sorts of stairs that go down. And yeah. there's dudes with boats yeah. and stuff. And uh, like life on the river is, is really kind of special. And if you get outside of Luang Prabang, which is a little bit touristy, and you get to experience like real Lao culture, yeah. like the people are amazing. I I hope I can find this photo. When I went to Paku Caves for the first time, there was some little boy who showed me the way and just like I got a picture of him like just cruising along the trail with the okay. sunlight on him and, and I'd like to add that to the show notes. So you got to get on a, yeah. on a boat and on the river in some way. Yeah. I mean, we'll just kind of skim over this. There's lots of trekking and mountain biking you can do for a day or multi-day mm. outside of town in the hills. So that's, you know, a great option. Um, and then the big one that... I'm kind of on the fence whether it's worth going out Mount Pusi. This is kind of a little hill in the center of the peninsula with a jetty, but like... Yeah, like we were saying, that it's a peninsula, the, yeah. the, the town, and there's a big mountain in the center. Yeah. Um, how tall? I think it's actually about like 140 meters high, despite yeah. it being on a small peninsula. Yeah. So you can walk up either side, mm-hmm. and I guess the, the one... Like, you can hike up one side and then down the other side, but if yeah. you have a bike, then it's kind of a pain to get your bike yeah. back. But. It's packed. Basically, the thing is sundown, packed. Tons yeah. of minivans, so like maybe go up non-sunset. Yeah, mm. that's probably a good idea. Um, Patank, kind of like bocce ball left by the French, and Laotians play it, and there'll be little courts along the sides of rivers. And yeah. actually, like I went and played at a Patank court where there was five lanes. Yeah. You can rent oh, really? it by the hour, wow. have beers. Um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, usually it's like the, the boat driver guys exactly. just playing by the riverside yeah. and you can just go and hang out and watch for a while and if you're smile enough maybe they'll let you throw some balls with them for a little while but um yeah great game really cool i like the fact that that people live this slow life and can just hang out and play patank yeah it was fun it was it was a pretty good local style type of thing um you know it's small but the uh, traditional arts and ethnology center it's been around for a long long time i've been many times it's really only about a 30 minute stop it's Mm. in the center of town but they've upgraded it like the signboards the way things are displayed are really good and in 30 minutes you get a pretty good overview of like the main uh, ethnic groups in Lao and and the Luang Prabang area and what their dress looks like and how they live and yeah yeah have you ever been there? no I don't know that that was okay like how long it's been. Yeah, I mean I would definitely check it out I yeah it, it's a good thirty minute stop they have a little refreshment down cafe. by like there's like a library in the... opposite the Aman kind of near the little daytime really market no, no, I don't yeah on a little hill um, one that I wanted to get to but I didn't but gets neat reviews is Garavek storytelling and it's a musician and a storyteller 
Geller for about one hour in the evening. In English, they tell stories about the history of Luang Prabang set to music. So someone's playing traditional instruments cool. and someone's like doing the art of storytelling. And uh, I didn't end up making it, but I heard really great things from people in the know. Okay. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, which we haven't, is just, uh, again, cruising around town, there's all these beautiful wats. Mm-hmm. Um, the wats, and, like the, the temples, like Buddhist temples, yeah. as this ancient royal capital of Laos, and, which is a very Buddhist country, um, there's all these beautiful historical wats. And uh, dressed appropriately, of course, and acting appropriately, uh, you should definitely spend a day just riding a bicycle at, around town and, and going Absolutely. to visit the wats. And then one of the things to add on there is the the old royal palace. It is cool. Um, yeah, which also has the Prabang Buddha, yeah. which is the, I don't know how to say it. It's the Palantir. It's okay. the Palladium. Like yeah. whoever, it, it was a gift to the founder of Luang Prabang by his father-in-law, who was the king of Angkor, okay. to establish oh, wow. the Laotian capital huh. in Luang Prabang. Yeah. Um, now, I, I thought of that when you were mentioning that ethnic center because years ago I used to stay in a guest house and the woman who ran the guest house she was part of the Lao government's like historical society or something like that okay and uh, and I was doing some research on the Prabang Buddha because there had been rumors that uh, the Pratet Lao the communists had sold it to the the Russians or the Chinese in exchange for for weapons to to fight in the civil war huh. because the Prabang Buddha is made of solid gold right okay um, so she told me that the Prabang Buddha that was at the museum people believe that it's the real Prabang Buddha because the Prabang Buddha belongs in Luang Prabang. Right, So right. that was kind of a cryptic answer. Huh. Um, and you're not allowed to take photographs of it or anything, but okay. it is the most sacred image in, in Laos. And, yeah. and there's some interesting history that like the, the Thais had stolen it at one point and brought it to, to, huh. to Bangkok and there was a great earthquake. Okay. And so they gave it back to the Laotians oh, wow. because they, they had the Emerald Buddha and the Prabang Buddha in Bangkok at the same time and it was like too powerful or something oh, like okay. that. So there's some really cool history there. So um, going okay. to the Royal Palace, uh, great It's a nice stroll. My parents and I popped in and there's some nice buildings. The grounds are nice. They actually have the uh, Monarch's old cars on display and even a Canadian-made speedboat that he used at the time. So it's a nice little stop on the peninsula. And then I don't know if they still have these, but they had paintings on the walls that gave like a history of the life of the Buddha. Right, yeah, Yeah. they do. So it's, I mean, on that peninsula is the Royal Palace and most of the key watts. So you can Mm. sort of stroll or ride a bike and exploring them is worthwhile some quick side notes like there's many cooking schools tamarin runs one and if you want massage too uh we'll put a couple in the show notes that get highly rated so you know treating yourself to a foot massage or something is also a reasonable thing to do yeah i remember oh you know what on that same note the there's like a red cross there that does uh massage like you can get a massage at the, the red cross i building. saw the sign but i didn't go in okay and then near there there was a there's like a laotian steam room like sauna Okay. And and it, they use lemongrass steam. So you're like, especially Ooh. in the winter, like I wish I would have known you were going to Long Prabang. I would have told you to look for this. So you go inside this 
steam room that has like lemongrass steam in it right and then you go outside and it's really cold at night right and you're just in a towel sure sure and you lay on top of like wooden benches that uh-huh. have coals underneath you oh so you like lay on top of like this little like roasting fire pit and you watch like soap operas and drink beer and then you go back into the lemongrass steam room oh. and then you go back to like the little like fire where pit were you like, three nights ago yeah. when i was there and it was 11 degrees <laughs> and that's near the the red cross somewhere okay well why don't we get into sharing like if you had three nights what would trevor do on day one two and three yeah again it's been a while since i've been there but i think absolutely like your first day you want to relax um just cruise around on a bicycle explore the town uh check out some of the temples chill out by the riverside uh you know try and meet some local people maybe play some pentak is that how you pronounce it uh, the, the, the pen, i think the, the bocce ball game pentak, um you know maybe go to the palace pay respects to the prabang buddha um, you know, maybe climb the hill for sunset. Okay. Definitely check out the the night market. Go to Utopia for drinks, but don't you know? Just take it easy. Slow it's not it a big down. town. Just ride the bike around. Check out the sights. Have some coffee. Okay. Um, just enjoy the town. Day two, I'd say get up early. Um, either go on a kayaking trip or go out to one of the waterfalls, like you were saying. If you're going right. to go out to Guangxi, go out early. It's beautiful. It's really beautiful. Don't get turned off by the touristiness of it. Um, in the afternoon, again, I just enjoy cruising the town, just going to see some of the back alleys. It's beautiful. You know? You'll probably discover some little temples that you didn't notice the day before. Um, go to Akpoptok. Uh, mm. textiles i think in laos like i'm not a big like textiles guy but i own so many like laotian scarves and stuff so go to the night market again pick up some more souvenirs one of the cool things is that you can talk to people at the night market and look at all their scarves and even if you don't buy anything they're like thank you like see yeah, you tomorrow they're, chill. they're so sweet and then day three um I don't know. Again, chill, kick it, cruise around town. It's a UNESCO World Heritage Site, and and these are like the nicest people you'll ever meet. Just uh, enjoy the town. That's a good one. Yeah, for me, day one, I would dedicate to the peninsula itself. You know, whether you're on bike or foot, I'd probably just elect for foot for Mm. the peninsula and go into like every temple and, and, and go into the royal palace and try and imagine life as it would be and stroll down the side streets. Mm. So really the peninsula has three main roads that all run parallel to each other. And then connecting those parallel roads are often little tiny laneways. And like just walk every laneway, walk every street and soak in the old buildings and try and imagine life, you know, even back in the the sixties or fifties, um, you know, have coffee at Saffron, maybe lunch at Buong, um, sundown boat ride, and then, uh, utopia for end of night drinks day two, I would get out and see some sites, you know, Paku Caves and probably Kwangsi Waterfalls in the same day. You know, get out, knock them off, and then do dinner at one of the many restaurants and uh, maybe sip cocktails at the Icon Club or something. Day three, ride bikes around kind of the peninsula in the greater area. You need at least two visits to the peninsula. There's also two bamboo bridges on the east side of the Namkan River. Mm. You know, just walk yep. over them. Take a photo. Um, I'd hit Utopia again at some point. Um, Okpop talk south of the city. Have some drinks in the afternoon and maybe a bit of food. Go to a patank court and uh, throw the balls for an hour. And sundown dinner at Utopia probably. I'm a bit biased, but it's nice, man. You know, it's funny. With three days, it's like there's not a whole lot to do in Luang Prabang. But at Mm. the same time, like... 
it's the, it's the speed, you know, like you just kind of like don't you're not trying to do everything. You're trying to absorb the spirit of, of the town, I think. Absolutely. And, and as I was with my parents and they're not terribly active, we ended up doing little short walks, mostly on the peninsula. Mm. And the last day of our five, we actually did the very end and the lanes. And that was really the best one, even though we'd kind of seen it like it is really a unique spot, which kind of. As we wrap up here, I, I put down Disneyland or historical must-see destination mm. because in the last few years, I've heard both arguments. Some people say, well, I went to Luang Prabang and every old building and beautiful building was a bakery or a massage place or a hotel only for tourists. Yeah. The flip side, I think, is that had it not be preserved, those old buildings, people would have torn them down and built a modern, you know, quote-unquote modern concrete building right so they're yeah. kind of only around because it's been preserved because of tourism but all the old buildings serve tourism yeah what do you think yeah that's kind of a double-edged sword i guess right yeah because uh, again we've seen what's happened here in thailand um we've seen what's happened in siem reap um which again isn't so bad but like again yeah i was legitimately worried about what would happen to Long Prabang and one of the reasons I, I didn't want to move there was because I didn't want to be a part of the problem hmm. and and Derek at the time told me that like you can be part of the solution you know he's like okay. you can help preserve the culture you can help yeah. do things to to ensure that Long Prabang keeps its soul um and again, I guess maybe it was a, I wasn't ready to marry a Lao woman. But, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I do love the, the, the city, and I, and I am a little worried about the Disneyland aspect. And I know that a lot of the local people who lived on the peninsula, they, they sold their properties because the, like, they could get so much money Cash for it. Out, yeah. And then they moved across the Namkhan. That's kind of like new Luang Prabang, right? Yeah, on the other side. I even saw on a map today that there's a bunch of little like pizza. There's all the there's, guest houses. Yeah, like, there's bars New Luang Prabang is really growing. Yeah, yeah. new Luang Prabang. Um, mm. Uh, but yeah, UNESCO protects those buildings to a large degree and, and yeah. it probably still has a lot of its charm. And I can imagine that in the interior, in those little back alleys, there's still people living back there. There are. Um, there's still some, little, yeah. I mean, people doing their laundry and, you know, like the place I used to stay at, uh, I don't know, it was just some old guest house and there was a little watt across the street and, okay. and they would do their morning alms in the neighborhood and there was no tourists taking pictures of them, hmm. you know? So I still think, or I hope there's pockets of the Long Prabang that I, I used to know and love that yeah. still exists. I think it's worth a visit. It's very unique. No other place I've been looks like it. Um, you can be as active or as slow as you want. Just keep in mind the the, the peninsula itself. I think it's, uh, we, I, we've all been, you and I have been lots of places in Asia where the old building gets torn down to mm. build a quote-unquote, again, nicer modern yeah. concrete building. The buildings wouldn't be there they wouldn't look beautiful if it wasn't for tourism. So just go knowing there's going to be lots of tourists on the peninsula, but soak it in. I think it's worth going to. Um, yeah, so it's a neat spot. I think, you know, you want to go for at least three days, two nights, probably three nights. I was there five nights. That can start to get a little long. But Yeah, uh, I don't know. That's I what I was thinking about. I was like, how did I spend like two to four weeks at a time there? <laughs> but I guess back then it wasn't quite as touristy. And and then the other thing is like maybe consider taking the slow boat from Chiang Kong, you know? Mm. And and again, like I just love Laos, right? So then don't fly out. Like, Or, or if you fly up to Luang Prabang, um, take the roller coaster ride down to... Uh, Bang Vien? Bang Vien. And then um, Vien Chen. Which is beautiful. I mean, Laos is so beautiful. And, and then down to Vien Chen. Yeah, so it's it's a funny destination. And just really wrapping up is like you either fly in 
now, or you take a slow boat or a luxury boat from Chiang Kong and Chiang Rai province, they have Thailand. Boats? Yeah, they have some yeah. nicer boats down um, to Luang Prabang, or you go by land, either traveling to or from uh, from Vientiane, uh, stopping in Vang Vien, and then uh, Luang Prabang. But it's 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 a pretty neat place. It was neat. I'm glad I went back. I don't think I need to go back for a while, mm. but it's a pretty neat stop in Southeast Asia. Yeah, I, I, you kind of piqued my interest, and I do miss it. Um, I would like to go back. Um, then again, there's like we just went to Champasak a couple of years ago to go to Wat Pu, yeah. which is the ancient Angkorian temple in, in southern Laos. And we talked about the 4,000 islands in, in the farthest southern parts of Laos. Still got to get there. I there's still there's been. a lot of places in Laos uh, that, that are still on the list or still on the revisit list. I've been to Vien Chan and... Yeah, it was more than like 10, 12 years. Really last year. Well, it's a country with only six and a half million people sandwiched by much larger countries. Glad I went. Go to go to Laos sometime. Go to Luang Prabang. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Yeah, check out our show notes. We'll have a map. We'll have a bunch of links to some of these organizations. Uh, again, if like you're into textiles or you're into food, um, it's a very unique culture. So uh, we're checking out the show notes, and uh, we look forward to coming back in two weeks with uh, something totally random and new. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey, Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom and 